0: Hey, what's up, everybody? This is The Greatest Show on Dirt, coming to you live from the Sweet Beast Studios. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for clicking play on your iPhone or your Android, possibly while you're at work, trying not to work, which is generally what my day is like. I am your host, Quentin. Today's show is brought to you by my boy, Fernie Mercado, over at Charred Urban Woodworks. Uh, custom live edge wood or non-live edge wood, whatever your thing is, Fernie takes care of all of your custom needs at Charred Urban Woodworks out of Charlotte, North Carolina. He built my office, my big main desk that I have. I've got an end table in the place that sits in between two leather chairs that look very Don Draper-esque. That's essentially what the whole room looks like. We're talking boat fuel, jet engines, whiskey, cigars. This place screams man. And if that's your thing, then Fernie's your guy, but also if you just want to decorate your house with your significant other who happens to be a woman and doesn't love manly styles, Fernie is also your guy. Custom stuff. Find him on Facebook at Chard Urban Woodworks, at C-H-A-R-D Urban Woodworks. You can also find him on Twitter, excuse me, on Instagram at charred.nc, and he will hook you up. I'll be sure to upload some pictures of this place now that we're finally in here recording often. Big live edge table I've got, seven feet long, about uh, 18 inches deep. It's a pretty legit setup. He did a great job. He's a huge Red Sox fan too, so if you're not a Red Sox fan, do your best to put your hatred for the Red Sox aside because right now they're about 45 games over 500. I, I, don't, I didn't miss say, 40 Five games over 500. they They're on pace to win 113 baseball games this year, which probably isn't as many as the White Sox have won in the past two years. It's a pretty big deal. They've got J.D. Martinez and Mookie Betts, two of the biggest, baddest, baddest bats in all the American League. And these boys just completed a four-game sweep of the New York Yankees. I didn't think they were going to sweep all four games. I am an avid Player of ESPN The Streak. It's a game that you can play through your fantasy app, and you guess who's going to win a baseball game. I had picked the Yankees to win on Sunday night because I just couldn't believe that they would dump four in a row to the Boston Red Sox. But boy, them boys that play at Fenway look really dangerous. I'm talking like better than Michael Jackson in the bad video. I mean. I I watched all of the first game of that four-game set, and that was when the Yankees won 15 to— or excuse me, when the Red Sox won 15 to 7, and they were demolishing big bats, top to bottom. They beat beat Severino. They shook—or oldest Chapman shook the man last night. He walked the bases loaded. Then gave up a hit to, I believe— did Glaber get that hit? That first hit off Eroldis when the bases were loaded, I'm not too sure. I don't know why I'm trying to determine who won. Either way, Eroldis Chapman was shook during the whole thing. It's a pretty big deal. He's regarded as one of the best closers in baseball. Ricky, my man Porcello, pitched an 86-pitch complete game one hitter against this Yankees team, this Yankees team at one point that was on pace to win 104 games. I'm not too sure that's the case. Now that they've dropped four in a row to the Red Sox, they're nine and a half back. They're surely on pace to win at least 100, if not more than 100 games. And for Rick Porcello to go out there and have a start like that, that has got to be, got to be one of the best starts that we've seen in all of Major League Baseball this year. Because you can say what you want about how good the Red Sox are. Yo, and Aaron Judge is out of the lineup now. The Yankees are stacked, man. Yankees are stacked. And then you also, one of the guys I want to talk about is Nathan Avaldi. So I, guest on the show Cody Nations, you've probably heard us talk a couple times, real serious into baseball. The dude's got hot takes, hotter than the equator. When I record with him, I sweat bullets. But dude, he's a a through and through Red Sox fan. And me and Cody had a conversation through text um, shortly after the Nate Avaldi trade, before he had had his first start. And I had said that he has the potential to be a mini Verlander, to which he replied, man, that's a huge statement, to which I replied, well, Jake Arietta was a bum once, right? Nathan avaldi has been through a lot of stuff. Nathan avaldi has not played baseball in a system as good as what I believe the Red Sox have right now. And his first two starts have shown it. You're talking 15 innings of no-run baseball pitched over two starts, which he has went 2-0. He's not striking out a ton of guys. He's a good mix of strikeout, forcing guys into ground balls and weak pop-ups because I'm not too sure. Oh, he obviously hasn't allowed a home run. He hasn't given up a run. Uh, his whip sits at about .5, which means half a, half a human being gets on base every inning he pitches. It's been stellar. And I'm going to tell you why this Nathan Avaldi thing. Listen. I get it, right? You're driving in your car and you're probably punching your radio because you're, you're yelling at me saying you're going to compare Nathan Evaldi, two-time Tommy John recipient, to Justin Verlander, who worked miracles in Houston last year. But on top of that, Justin Verlander is one of the greatest pitchers, if not the greatest pitcher of our generation, um, save like Pedro Martinez, right? So if you want to look at what Verlander's done since like Pedro's been retired, Right, Verlander's probably your guy, more so his numbers um, are more heavy-hitting and have done more than what Clayton Kershaw has. Like, yeah, Kershaw, his regular season ERA is like a sub-two, but Verlander's been to two World Series. He's won one. He What he did for the Astros last year can't be put into a number, right? You can go to Fangraphs or Baseball Reference. You ain't going to put what he did in a number that's going to encompass how important he was now, I still am comparing the Nathan Avaldi acquisition to Justin Verlander, and here's why. Okay, the last two years, the Boston Red Sox in the playoffs, which includes last year when they were ousted in the ALDS by the Astros, and then the year before that when they got beat by the Indians in the ALDS. Right, and that was when they still had Big Poppy. Right, you look at a team like this, and the. Obviously, in 2016, they just weren't able to do much, even though they had a very promising regular season, which was the last season. The Big poppy was there who just had an age 40 season for the freaking ages. And so then you look at last year and the past two postseasons have been very disappointing. Now, one key thing is for this thing to work, for the Boston Red Sox to be what Boston Red Sox fans want them to be, Chris Sale has got to be Chris Sale. He's got to run and gun in the postseason to a sub one whip to a sub two ERA. He's got to be that dominant guy. And in order to do that, he's got to be fresh for the postseason, which Alex Corr has done a phenomenal job of not running him into the ground because we all know Chris Sale will pitch forever. But like any other human being on a Monday morning at 10 a.m., he's going to run out of gas. And that's just what it's going to be. So when I'm looking at this and you look at the Nathan Avaldi acquisition, the first thing I think is, wow, we're getting some of this off Chris Sale, okay? When you get to the playoffs, there's a certain mental game that a baseball player has to play. And Major League Baseball playoffs, I feel they're a whole different beast, animal thing. They're unlike any other playoffs in any other sport because baseball is such a mental game. Now, for a guy like Nathan Avaldi to come in and you know, even whatever, if he's going to be the number four starter in this shindig because you got a uh, Sale, Price, Ricky P, and then Nate. the The type of impact he can make because of how well he can pitch, the type of heat he brings into the game, where he can mix it with off speed stuff, which turns out really good because he can throw up to ninety eight. And he threw a, he was throwing a hundred in spring training. That right there makes it to where everything's not going to fall on Chris Sale, and he's not going to feel as much pressure and he's going to feel more relaxed in prepping because he knows he's got guys behind him. And when you throw in Nathan Ivaldi, and if he's your number four starter in the playoffs, what he alleviates from the rest of that pitching staff is going to start at the bottom. So when you know you've got Nathan Ivaldi to go in there, Chris Sale at the top is going to feel pretty good about that. Then when Chris, when Chris feels better, David feels better. When David feels better, Ricky feels better. This, this Nathan Navaldi move, because he's such a good pitcher and because he doesn't have to come in there to be the number one guy, I think that's going to help Nate pitch better. And because the rest of the rotation feels that security and can watch his dominance of this new guy that comes in and re-energizes a Boston pitching staff that maybe didn't need re-energized, but, hell, everyone can use a break every now and then, you've got to feel good about the rotation because what Nathan Ivaldi can do – for this Red Sox club, is going to spread like a wildfire through the rest of the starting rotation. And that's the reason I feel it can be a mini Verlander trade. I'm not saying he's going to pitch as well as Verlander. The first two games he's pitched have been phenomenal. The potential's there, right? He's not, he doesn't have a Verlander-esque career, but you've got a guy that's finally healthy. A lot of teams looked at him with high hopes when he was first drafted. So if he pitches well, it's not a big shock. If Nathan Avaldi pitches as good as he has in the past two starts, you're going to look at it and go, that's a guy that's healthy and he has good stuff. And he does have good stuff. He is a high-end number four starter at this point, really high-end number four starter. And at this point, I have more faith in Nathan Ivaldi than I do a few guys on the New York Yankee staff, CeCe Sabathia, Luis Severino. I don't know what's happening with that guy, but your ace, who was clearly a Cy Young favorite coming into the season, has had a really rough start. About the past four of them he's thrown. And so when you've got Nathan Ivaldi on the back end of your rotation pitching better than some of these Yankees, you've got problems. Sonny Gray just got booed off a of mound. So Lance Lynn's in the gig now. We don't know what we're getting with Lance Lynn, but Nathan Ivaldi's a better pitcher than Lance Lynn. Nathan Ivaldi right now might be a better pitcher than CC Zabathia. He's pitching so good. And you can tell me what you want, that he came from the Tampa Bay Rays, had two Tommy Johns, and has carried a four earned run average this year. Change of scenery is a real thing, my friends. Nathan Evaldi can be that powerful of an impact. Feel free to punch your radio at me on Twitter and tell me I'm an idiot, but I feel the way I feel, right? But that's going to lead to this question, right? Are the Boston Red Sox untouchable? Okay, I saw that on social media today where someone had said, the Red Sox are untouchable and no one can touch them. No one's going to beat this team. Is that true? No, it's not true. The the crazy thing about baseball is there's never – There's never an untouchable team. There's just not. And, you know, that's just what baseball does. Because so many things change during the postseason and because so many moves are made at the trade deadline, at the waiver deadline, at the non-waiver deadline, if you were to ask me right now, are the Boston Red Sox probably the favorites to make the World Series in the American League? That's a pretty safe bet. Um, Are they untouchable? They're not, they're 100% not untouchable. I really like what the Red Sox are bringing to the table, but they can be beat. Ask yourself this, because the Yankees got swept four games just now at Fenway, does that tell me something deep and dark about the New York Yankees that says they can't hang with the Boston Red Sox? Absolutely not. It doesn't tell me anything. You know what that tells me? Well, if the Red Sox see the Yankees in the postseason, it's going to be hard to beat them eight times in a row. Right. And at that rate, it's going to be hard to beat them eight out of 11 times in a row. OK, in 2015, the Chicago Cubs swept a four game series against the Mets and then the Mets swept them in the NLCS. OK, I don't really care what happens in the postseason one or in the regular season. I don't care it does not matter to me and does not tell me a thing that the Yankees just got swept by the Red Sox. I don't have an ulterior motive that I want the Red Sox to win. Or I want the Yankees to win. The only thing I want is to see the teams play in the postseason. And if you're doing the math at home, you could say this. If the Yankees win their wild card game, they're playing the Boston Red Sox and the ALDS. That's all I want. And the only thing that pisses me off about that is the ALDS isn't the best of seven. So we would only see the Yankees and the Red Sox go best of five. I don't care who wins. I want to see them play. But it doesn't do anything to me. It doesn't tell me anything This four-game sweep from the Red Sox does not tell me that the Red Sox will dominate the Yankees in the postseason. All that tells me is, one, it's going to be hard to beat the Yankees eight out of 13 games. It's also going to be hard to beat them eight times in a row. It's going to be hard to beat them two series in a row. And also, the Yankees have just had their, their nose punched through the back of their head And there's not much to to get something good and to become a better baseball team, really to become better at anything in life. You've got to fall flat on your face and do really, really bad at something, which is a testament to me on this podcast. (laughs) You have to do really, really bad at something to get really good at something. And the Yankees just lost four in a row to the Red Sox. They'll be better for it. Because in all reality, what does this series change? Because if the Yankees had split the series, hell, if the Yankees had swept the series, we know that the Red Sox were still going to win the division and the Yankees were still going to be a wild card team. But because the Yankees just got beat four games in a row, they're a stronger team because of it. Post-game Aaron Boone said that he had hoped that the outcome of this would be a better and a stronger and a more mature team because they had just went through something bad. He's 100% right. I underestimate a lot of what Aaron Boone would be coming into this season. I thought the Aaron Boone hiring would be a lot like what we're seeing in Washington with Dave Martinez, and that's just not the case. He's truly a player's coach, and the team's behind him. I think this team, starting with Aaron Boone, I think they're built to get their ass kicked and to come out on the other side quite a bit better, 100% believe it. So we'll see where that goes. But no, you know, I don't think um, that sweep doesn't tell me that you can put a fork in the Yankees and they're done and can't do anything. It's going to be a series. I hope they meet in the ALDS. And, you know, my, my predictions for the American League, I don't necessarily know that they're the Red Sox or not. You've got to look at the Houston Astros with their phenomenal starting pitching staff as possibly to be the favorites. Sadly, that's probably changed over the past couple days. So the Houston Astros just picked up one Roberto Osuna from the Toronto Blue Jays, who just finished the 75-game suspension for roughing up his girlfriend in Toronto. This move, you've read probably a ton of stuff on social media, all the news stories about it. I'll reiterate it once. This is an awful move for the Houston Astros. I don't know why they did it. And my beef with this whole Roberto Osuna signing, you'll read a lot of articles online and a lot of tweets that'll tell you that Jeff Lunau said, we have a zero tolerance policy on domestic violence. The main argument with signing Roberto Osuna is, well, Jeff, if you have a zero tolerance policy on domestic violence, why did you just sign a guy that just roughed up his girlfriend, all right? One, I would assume what Jeff Lunau meant by we have a zero-tolerance policy is if that was our guy, we would have him serve that 75-game suspension and would not go to bat for him. So a zero-tolerance policy is a person doing something bad and they get punished for it. Let me finish. I'm not condoning what Roberto Osuna did, But I'm going to say something that really we haven't read in a lot of articles because these articles usually use that zero tolerance comment from Jeff Lunau to say, clearly you're not zero tolerant of it because you just signed the guy that hit his girlfriend, okay? Zero tolerant from Jeff Lunau means we are fully behind the suspension that he served and we, we have a zero tolerance policy of domestic violence, so if you do it, you're going to be punished, and that's what it is. Fair play. Here's what pisses me off mostly about this Astros deal. One, I don't condone what the guy did. Personally, if I'm Jeff Lou now, there's zero shot in hell. There is a snowflakes chance in hell that I give this guy a chance on my team. To me, you get the Ray Rice treatment end of story, right? Because Roberto Ozuna right, is, is a video away from that happening, and the saddest part about it is we need a video – to somehow paint to somehow like paint that picture in our heads that domestic violence is bad right when the when the Ray Rice video came out and he Mike Tyson his chick in an elevator and drug her out by her feet halfway down the hall because she was asleep because we don't have that video Roberto Ozuna we somehow just don't give a shit and we're like oh well what domestic violence, he probably yelled at her and the cops came and this is just what happens when you're an athlete. One, we don't know if he hit her or if it was just an argument. Like we have no idea when you get an assault charge in Canada, um, that can encompass a lot of different things. So for example, like in Canadian law, they don't have a specific like domestic violence charge. So they put assault on it and that can encompass a whole lot of things. The way Canada works, right, right? Toronto, Canada, does not have a Canadian TMZ, right? We don't have anyone to dig up the dirt. So these files for Roberto, they're closed. So if you've done a few Google searches and you're trying to find out what Roberto did, you're not going to find it. I don't know if we'll ever know it, but he's going to plead not guilty. So I assume we'll know it at some point, depending on the verdict, or maybe in Canadian law, if other stuff's going to come out during the trial. But here's the thing. Houston Astros won a World Series in 2017, and it was their first ever and when that happened, you also had a big hurricane come through there. And that hurricane had people watching TVs in their gutted houses while sitting on milk crates um, in their homes that had no insulation in and pretty much a place full of two-by-fours, okay? There, w- there was um, there's a beautiful story, I believe, behind every World Series, similar to the Cubs in 2016 uh, when the Royals won in 2015. But there's a lot to be said about the Houston Nationals as a community and what this city went through, and what this team brought him, And so you've got this team, and, I mean, so many guys, Verlander, McCullers, Dallas Keiko, Jose Altuve, George Springer, Evan gaddis Great stories on Evan, Evan Gaddis and Jose Altuve about the things they went through to actually make it to Major League Baseball. So you have this really close-knit team, and they're playing for something. They're playing for a cause, right? One of my things when talking about baseball are all the great stories behind it that MLB doesn't tell. Which I'll get into that later, but there are a lot of phenomenal stories in Major League Baseball. I truly believe that the Houston Astros were one of the more beautiful, thrilling, really meaningful stories, a great sports story in Major League Baseball for a community that suffered, and they were, they were blessed with the opportunity to play in a World Series, and the team brought that World Series trophy back to Houston. Beautiful, beautiful. So you end up with this tight-knit family of baseball players and there are a lot of guys on this team that when they play they stand for something right we all know Justin Verlander he's an outspoken baseball player truly believes a good guy I don't I don't agree with everything he's ever said um totally agree with him on the stance of domestic violence though he shouldn't hit a woman yassle um he's an outspoken guy Lance McCullers I believe is Bregman yeah a lot of outspoken guys on this team all I believe in good fashion And what you've done, you've kind of broken that up in the sense of Ken Giles, who was your closer during that World Series all through the postseason and all through the regular season. You looked at your 27-year-old Ken Giles, who's one one of you guys, right? Ken Giles is family to this team, probably really close to a lot of guys in the clubhouse. Had an off year this year. Hell, I don't know if he was a likable guy or not, but what this represents is you just traded one of your family members away to a guy you don't know who was still serving a 75-game suspension for beating the shit out of his girlfriend. That's what's happened. I don't care about him. Jeff Lunau saying he had a zero-tolerance policy. What you've done is you've taken your close-knit community, your close-knit team, you've traded, a, you've traded one of those guys out of your system for a guy to beat the shit out of his girlfriend, and now you're going to bring him into this mix Houston Strong and try to win another World Series with him and you've got a lot of great guys in this clubhouse that now can't speak their mind and they look like a bunch of jerks because you you know Verlander and Bregman are in the clubhouse being interviewed on Roberto Ozuna going well we don't know all the facts yet we don't know all the facts yet there's a guy that our boss just traded for who was charged with hitting his girlfriend I can tell you this, you don't accidentally get charged with hitting a woman. Those things just don't happen. They're not really a mix-up. This isn't running a red light. This isn't going 55 in a 50, okay? The, the disgrace, the absolute disgust, disgrace, it's appalling that this has even happened that a baseball team, good or bad, in this case really good, dominating, has this MBA this Harvard-Yale type nerd GM that's sitting back in his office and looking at only numbers and not looking at his players. Not asking the question, hey, how do I think my players would feel about this? There's more to the game than numbers. The guys in my clubhouse, our close-knit family that we have, we're family. This Houston Astros team from top to bottom is family. How are they going to feel? Guys like Justin Verlander, recently married, recently has a child on the way. Guys like Bregman, Evan Gaddis, Jose Altuve, Dallas Keuchel, guys on this team that stand for something, all great guys, great faces of baseball. Did Jeff Lunow ask himself, how are they gonna feel if I bring this guy in here? He didn't ask that. Jeff Lunow looked at numbers and looked at spreadsheets and said, give me the guy that beat the shit out of his girl. I don't care, it's business. Doesn't matter. Did Jeff Lunow think for one second what the fans would think about this, right? What all the fans out there that have husbands, that have wives, that have sons, that have daughters, that have families, the families they care about. All these fans that went through this tragedy, this unbelievable, catastrophic, heartbreaking tragedy that Houston Astros fans, that residents of Houston, all that part of Texas went through last year and use the Houston Astros as a way to escape the horror they had just been through to embrace this team and find love and rest and peace in this situation. That's what this team is to the fans. Did Jeff Lou now think for a second, what do the fans think of this? The fans of Texas, that if they weren't there, we wouldn't have a team that we wouldn't have this success, that we wouldn't have had the funds and the money and the resources to do these 100 loss rebuilds. Did Jeff now ask for one second what they would think? That's a big hell no. That's a bigger than Stone Cold Steve Austin, oh hell no, he didn't ask a thing. So what Jeff Lunau's done, I don't give a shit about the zero tolerance policy. Jeff now has said, I don't give a shit who he beat. I don't give a shit what my players think. And I don't give a shit what the fans think. I've built this team on data and data only. This is a cutthroat business. And I'm bringing him in and he throws hard and I don't care. Devil's advocate. I don't know what Roberto Osuna has done. I know Ezekiel Elliott had domestic violence charge. It was clear evidence that said his ex-girlfriend was framing him. I had to get that. But to pick up Roberto Osuna before a verdict is even in. He, had, he went to court August 1st. He might go to trial. And if he does, his attorney's going to plead not guilty. Okay. So I get that we don't know what happened. And that's the exact reason not to do it. I don't know, good sir. I don't know. If you clear your name, and what what, and if you were falsely accused and it comes out that you were framed, we'd love to give you a chance to play baseball. But I'm sorry. I'm sorry. A woman getting hit and abused by a man? A crime like that? I'll pass on that. Listen, baseball's important to me. Baseball's important to Jeff Liu now. To put people under a game, right? To put this game of baseball over people... Women, especially that have been abused, okay. In today's world of social media, where information spreads like wildfire and it's really accessible—more accessible than it's ever been—all these atrocities, they come out. You know, you've got the uh, Hollywood director who is like raping all the girls for roles. You got the Bill Cosby thing. All this abuse, um, domestic abuse, has really come to light, right? I remember when Addison Russell. Last year had the domestic violence thing that I think actually he was never charged with. Um, The numbers behind that about one and however many women in relationships with men are abused, I don't remember the exact number. It could have possibly been one out of four women that are assaulted and abused by male significant others. I don't know if that's the exact number, but I remember when I read the number in the Chicago Tribune, it was absolutely alarming, and us as human beings, we've got to watch out for each other, so I'm not sitting here telling Roberto Osuna that he's never going to play baseball again, pal. I'm not that judge, but I'll tell you this. You've got some stuff going on, and I don't know what you did, and I can't know what you did, but right now, you're not from my team because I don't stand for that, and the verdict is still out on you, and I'm not going to endorse a guy like that I wouldn't get a job if that were the case. If I had a felony domestic violence record and I tried to get a job, because I'm, I'm a normal dude, I'm not going to get that job. But baseball somehow is kind of going to shove all that under. Just We're not really going to worry about it. But to do this to his Houston Astros team, I don't care if Ken Giles pitched to a touchdown for an earned run average. You traded one of your family members to a guy that beat his girl up how the hell can you do that? (laughs) It's unbelievable. They released the big press statement, the big PR release from the Astros and Jeff Now released this huge ginormous statement. And I guess the whole thing was pretty much justifying the Roberto Osuna trade. And a girl on Twitter, I'll have to retweet it for you. I don't remember uh, who she was. But she put a big emoji over it that summed up this. So you have this big PR article that Houston Astros tweeted out. She retweeted it with a big written emoji written over the PR statement that said he throws hard in a big shrug, which sums up the Houston Astros thing. Jeff Lunau didn't have the balls to come out and say he throws hard and he's a good pitcher so we wanted to sign him and we don't care if he has a domestic violence charge against him. 75 game suspension Roberto Ozuna, he accepted it without appeal. You don't really do that but if you're innocent. Right? When Ezekiel Elliott was innocent, he fought the charge. He fought it hard. Roberto Ozuna, hell, Lance Armstrong was guilty and he fought it. So was Roger Clemens. Roberto Ozuna didn't do anything. He accepted it. I don't know a whole lot of innocent people. That accept 75 game suspensions for beating women. <laughs> I I can't believe it. It's it's unbelievable. It really is. And if you want to get down to the bare bones of it, and it being looking at it from a purely baseball move, so let's look at this from Jeff Lunau's perspective and say, you know what, Jeff, I agree with you, right? Devil's advocate. Jeff, I agree with you. Baseball's a business, and we're playing within the rules of Major League Baseball, okay? He served a 75-game suspension, and MLB says he's eligible to come back and play. So, hell, I'm going to sign him. I'm going to trade for him because I got him for cheap. And at one point, he was a really good pitcher. This is a guy with 104 lifetime saves and a career ERA plus of 150. That's real good, junior. Okay, so let's say from a purely baseball perspective that, hey, he's allowed to play, and we're going to sign him. Cubs did it with the as Chapman. Why the hell can't I do it? Please, Jeff now Astros GM. Please look beyond the numbers. Please look at what you think this will do to the clubhouse. This could very well keep the Astros out of a second World Series in a row. This could keep them from back-to-back World Series because of what this does to the clubhouse because this takes the attention off good baseball and it puts the attention on this shitty situation, and that's what's happened. What irks me the most is you got all these baseball GMs. The eye test in baseball doesn't exist anymore. Oh, let's just go on Fangraphs and see what the data says. Damn it, I'm gonna tell you this, there's more behind it than just the numbers. Look at Jake Arrieta in Philly. No one wanted to sign the guy, but you've got to change the scenery. You put Jake in a situation where he can be a leader, and Jake's going to thrive in that situation. I read so many articles that say, oh, look at Jake Arietta. The Chicago Cubs should have kept him. No, the Chicago Cubs shouldn't have kept Jake Arietta because Jake is not the same pitcher in Chicago than he would be in Philly, because Philly's a different situation. Please use your eyeballs, please look past the numbers. How can a very well-educated general manager of baseball, yes, fight me, this is me playing armchair GM at my house. I'm right, and if you don't think I am, you can stick it, but how can an educated baseball guy sit back and say that this is a great baseball move? This is stifling the clubhouse, The positive fire that this clubhouse has has been put out by adding a guy that hit his girlfriend. End of story. This is an awful baseball move. If the Astros don't make it to a second World Series in a row, it's on Jeff Luna for putting all of his players in a position. A.J. Hinch, Alex Bregman, they look so uncomfortable. It looks like they're doing a paternity test on Maury Povich. They're sweating bullets saying... Well, we, we, we just don't know the facts yet, and they'll come out, and, and we're happy that Roberto Ozuna is part of the team. Jeff Lunow you've put your players in one hell of a predicament, a predicament that they don't agree with, and you're making them look like idiots. Worst baseball move that probably I'll see in my entire lifetime, worse than the Pablo Sandoval contract— worse than the Edwin Jackson to Chicago contract, worse than you think the Hugh Darvish contract is right now. That, my friend, is Jeff Luna signing Roberto Ozuna. This is The Greatest Show on Dirt. Thank you so much for listening. I want to close the show with this. I've got like 100 Greatest Show on Dirt die-cut stickers. Please let me mail you a sticker. If you want a sticker please it would mean the world if you just go to our facebook page go to itunes or go to google play give us a five star rating with a comment screenshot what you typed with your five star with your five stars And then send it to us through a direct message. So slide into our DMs with a screenshot of your review and your mailing address. And I'll mail you out a Greatest Show on Dirt die-cut sticker. You can put it on your computer. You can put it on the back of your car. You can just, like, put it on your face. I don't really care, but the stickers are awesome. Who doesn't love a good sticker? I got the stickers from Sticker Mule. And these stickers are sick, man. Like, they make really good stickers. So, I mean, it looks great. You know, put it on the bottom of a skateboard. But get you a free sticker. Leave us a review. I'll send it to you. Postage paid by me. All 34 cents of that stamp. I'll do it for you. Let's close this bad boy out. Thank you so much for listening. And um, you guys have a great night. Thanks a lot. Take care.